I remember the feeling. I remember it really well. I was uh, living in Fort Collins, Colorado, and it was 1998, and it was uh, the day I heard that Matthew Shepard had been lashed to a fence and brutally beaten and left to die. And he died in Poudre Valley Hospital, the hospital in my hometown of Fort Collins. I remember so clearly the feelings of anger and grief that this young gay man, he was 21 years old, had just lost his life. I was 23 at the time. I was just out of college. Some of my best friends were gay, and so the fear for me was real, I, I can't imagine exactly what it was like for my friends. There was a group of us, actually, that would um, spend time at the only gay bar in Fort Collins, Colorado. We'd go there with various friends. I'd go with the woman I was dating at the time. We knew the bartender, we knew the DJ. They played better music than the other clubs in town. <laughs> and honestly, my girlfriend and the other women that we were with felt better dancing there because they weren't under this constant barrage of taunts and crude comments of often drunk straight men. There was no safe place for gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or queer people in Laramie, Wyoming. And so I knew, though I never met him, I knew that Matthew Shepard often came to this gay bar in Fort Collins. And what I saw in this bar when I was there was, as you have heard this morning, a sanctuary. It was a safe place. It was a place where people could be themselves, where you could hold hands with someone you loved or kiss someone you loved and not worry about assault or taunts or worse. It was a place where you could be in your own beautiful body and not live with that constant fear. It was a place where you could be enfolded by love. It was a sacred place, a place of worship, really. And by that, I mean, when I say worship, a place of remembering what is of worth and value. That is the root of that word. It is about ascribing worth and value to something. And so in that bar, in that gay bar, it was a place of worship. We were ascribing worth and value to the bodies, to the love, to the spirits that were in that place and didn't have to hide any of it. The night he was beaten, Matthew Shepard was miles away from a safe sanctuary, from a place of worship. And I remember the feeling when I, ha I had when I heard he had been murdered. I remember the grief and the rage and the anger. So today, it's, it's nearly 20 years later, and certainly great victories have been won in the gay rights movement. One year ago this month, same-sex marriage became the law of the land after Minnesota was the first state in the country to defeat a marriage amendment wanting to define marriage as between one man and one woman. So there have been successes, no doubt, but for many of us, especially after Orlando, those feelings of grief and anger and fear, which are often present still in the GBLTQ community, those feelings are back. It's not just what happened in Orlando. We can look at the recent anti-GBLT legislation, particularly the legislation in North Carolina about who and who cannot use restrooms. So in the wake of Orlando, I felt, as I know many of you did, that fear and grief and anger again. 
But it's different for me this time, 20 years later. There's more to see. There's more to tease apart. You've heard some of those voices this morning. What happened in Orlando happened primarily to GBLTQ Latinos. It happened to children of immigrants, to mostly Puerto Ricans, to people living with all the complexity of being an immigrant into this culture, being a person of color in this culture, and being GBLTQ in this culture. So this is a moment in this grief that invites us to live at the intersection of race and sexual identity and gender identity. Clay Kane, the television commentator and author of the forthcoming book, Live Through This, Surviving the Intersections of Sexuality, Race, and God, says this, I stand at the intersection of blackness and gayness. For me and other lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people, this event, what happened in Orlando, is a reminder that our lives and rights are at risk, and it is the structural underpinnings of homophobia and racism and misogyny that are among the many poisons ripping this country to shreds, coupled, he adds, with ridiculous access to military-style firearms. He goes on to say, far too little is being done to combat toxic homophobia as well as theological and spiritual violence, whether it's Islamic or Christian or something else. Digging deeper into this, Vincent Cervantes, a queer Latino theologian, speaker, and writer, reminds us that when reports refer to an attack on a gay nightclub, the truth about the violence that happens to queer and transgender people of color, including Latina and Latino people, is avoided. It disappears. Veronica Bayetti Flores, an immigrant queer writer and activist, reminds us that the LGBTQ Latino and Latinas are often victims of brutal police mistreatment, that we are detained by immigration officials and tortured in immigration detention. We are deported into violent situations often created or exacerbated by US foreign policy, all of which is complicated by their queer and trans identities. And that is part of what Javier is asking us to see. That is the piece that you read to us is to see and not render invisible the lives and the love of queer Latinos and Latinas. And I hear this in Javier's piece and as a religious person, I hear this as a profound call to pay attention to the Imago Dei. That is Latin, it means the image of God. The call for us as religious people is to pay attention to who we imagine is cast in the image of God. This is part of our religious response. This can be part of our religious response to what happened in Orlando. And you can do this work whether or not you believe in God. But if we call ourselves Unitarian Universalists and hold firm to the proposition that every single person has a spark of the divine in them and is cast in the divine image and is worthy of love and dignity, then we see each person, no matter their gender or skin color or religion or who they love, we see them then as a reflection of God, as a reflection of the spirit of life, as a reflection of that larger source that holds all of us. 
Our theology, our universalist theology suggests that everyone is cast in the image of God. This is radical theology. Make no mistake, because it seeks to dismantle a theology that suggests that God is male and males are better, that God is straight and that same-sex love or any love is wrong, that God endorses violence, that violence is good, that God's reflection in the world is limited. Some people reflect the image of God, others do not. Our theology stands in opposition to that theology. Think about what happened in Charleston a year ago. Think about what happened in Orlando last week. Both killers had a particular notion. Whether they articulated it religiously or not, they had an underlying frame, a world view that suggested God or the the source of life hated black people, that God hated GBLTQ people. They had a worldview, a sense of ultimate reality that didn't value those people, and hence the taking of life was somehow okay because God, the holy, the divine, couldn't be in those who were being killed. Who was cast in the image of God? Who is cast in the image of beauty? Who has value in this world? Our faith says that it is everyone. Even Omar Mateen, though his violence has terrorized and torn a community apart, even in Omar, there was, there is something of the divine. It's worth noting here as well, as Frederick mentioned in his call to worship, that there is more and more evidence indicating that this attack by Omar Mateen had very little to do with ISIS or Islam and much more to do with his probably being gay and having deep self-hatred and hatred of other gay people. And so we come back to the bedrock of our faith. As Unitarian Universalists, we believe that every single body is a reflection of the divine. And friends, we have to preach that and teach that and live that in all that we do. Because fear and hate are not the last words or the last act. We can imagine that the spirit of life, the gentle and angry source of life itself is with us, walking with us, saying it doesn't have to be this way. We can build the beloved community. We can love all bodies and all the ways those bodies show up in this world. We can love brown bodies and black bodies and white bodies. We can love our own bodies and what our bodies love. We can take our bodies into community to work for sensible gun legislation. We can take our bodies into community to be in solidarity with our queer neighbors of color, to be in solidarity with people of color. And if we're white, we can continue to explore how whiteness has shaped our bodies and how we see the world around us. I'm moving toward the close of this sermon, but there is something on my heart that I have to say, and so I'm not ending this sermon yet, because what I really need to say, what this sermon comes down to ultimately, and really it's not just something I need to say, it's something we as a church are going to say back to ourselves, to you all here, and it is to our gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender friends and family members 
and people who are part of this community and those you know and love. I'm talking to you right now. We love you. I love you. Your life matters. You matter. Your love matters. We love you beyond measure. There's no strings attached to that love. It's not a conditional love. We love you. We see you. And all of our straight members and friends of this church, we love you too. To all of you beautiful people, you beautiful reflections, you facets of the holy, we love you. And we can be gentle, angry, loving people together. As Frederick said in his call to worship, we can't give the world all the love and the healing and kindness that it needs, but the world needs all the loving and healing and kindness that we can give it. So may we be living sanctuaries, offering by our very presence, a human body, offering by our very presence, a space of safety and refuge, a place of love and strength. May it be so, and amen.